Welcome to your Midwest Garden Podcast. Today we're discussing native plants. Yay! This is season number one, episode number five. Hi, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy, and today my guest is Arden Pontash. She is from Wood County something, but it has to do a whole bunch uh, with collecting native plants. And I got a, you know, good idea. There's a, a logical reason why, but I want to find out even more on this. So Arden, can you first of all introduce yourself and tell us your background? Absolutely. First of all, my name is Arden Pontash, and I work for the Wood County Park District. Um, I'm what's called the stewardship specialist, um, so I'm a master, a jack of all trades. Uh, when it comes to collecting plants? <laughs> well, when it comes to natural resources in general, um, I'm a team member of, I'm one of four in the stewardship department in the Wood County Park District. Um, but my specialty is uh, growing native plants, um, which we use to put back into the parks and sell to the public uh, so that they can redistribute the native plants back into the landscape. Technically, I mean, not technically, but you've been in the industry, I mean, for what, maybe 15, 17 years? Well, you know my humble beginnings were... Well, the humble beginnings started way back when with the actually our sponsor, Black Diamond That's right. Uh, Garden Centers. But we're working right now with, it's called Midwest Garden for a reason, the podcast. It, we go from the southern Great Lakes region... All the way west, basically, to uh, a little beyond Chicago, but also goes east to New York, Pennsylvania, uh, places of that nature. I mean, mm -hmm. we have a, a pattern here yeah. when it comes down to the weather. And generally, most people think that, you know, if you're going to grow uh, and see these azaleas in, uh, in the Masters Tournament uh, blooming and ferociously yelling at us and saying, plant me, they're wanting to do it right now. Well, there's reasons you can't do it. I mean, Cincinnati, they're doing things much earlier than what we're doing here. I want to know why you are actually employed collecting what we used to call eons ago, weeds. <laughs> Well, that's a really great question. Uh, a lot of people, you know, we started out collecting plants that were ornamental. I mean, back in the 1800s, it was something that um, we collected the novelty plants like azaleas, like hydrangeas, like tomatoes, that people hadn't seen before. And we discarded all of the plants that we, you know, were used to seeing here. Well, you know, I got to tell you something, and I'm sure you know this. We Most garden centers in Ohio, and Michigan, Illinois, Indiana, um, Pennsylvania, they're going to plant rhododendrons and azaleas, right? Of course, yeah. Now, technically, in the Cumberland Mountains and in the Smoky Mountains, those are weeds. I mean, they grow like weeds in those in that region. But yes, that's correct. But they bloom gorgeous. Mm -hmm. So those people are basically, you know, well, we live in a barren area here in March, April, May, mm -hmm. first part of May. We want something to look pretty. The natural plants aren't, didn't necessarily do it until, now we're going to get back to it, but they did not do that. Um, we didn't have anything that was really that pretty early in, in, in April. Right. And rhododendrons and azaleas, actually an azalea is a mini rhododendron, but it's something that's a weed in the Smoky Mountains. Right, exactly. Right? They brought it up here to make it look pretty. Mm -hmm. Now, does that have anything to do with what you're collecting? I mean, Well, it has a lot to do, uh, I, I'm, I value... Um, 
aesthetics when it comes to the garden, and it's understandable why people want something novel in their yard, in their landscape. But you know, I think a lot of people have turned from just what looks good and have kind of switched their mindset. They want to cater to other things. They want to cater to the living landscape versus uh, just, you know, what it looks, how it looks. Um, we've started to see decline, de- declines in bees and um and other pollinators, birds. Uh, so I think people are generally more, con- uh, they find value in um, catering to those kinds of concerns as well. well. The, the reason, I, I mean, this has got a multifaceted definition of, of, of horticulture and agriculture. And I mean, there's, mul- there's a multitude of reasons that you're collecting these things. I want to know, first of all, why uh, Northwest Ohio, long time ago, Southeast Michigan, but primarily Northwest Ohio, all the way over to Cleveland. But the great black swamp yes. was drained. Mm-hmm. Now, they drained it so that they could farm it. Mm-hmm. They could make it, and the soil was rich once they got back. But the, so They the, drained it so they could walk in it. Well, yeah. I mean, people <laughs> got stuck, and they left Grandpa way. Oh, he's not coming back. They, they left him out there. Um, the, the, the reason that, I mean, they, they actually capitalized on it. When you leave from Detroit Airport, and you're flying over uh, Northwest Ohio, you look straight down, and you see a bunch of yellow. Now, that yellow is all what? Sand? Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. It, it's sand. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 no longer well. That's beach sand. Well, I think you're hinting at the um, the reality that this landscape was shaped by historical ancient lakes that that left sand moraines um, all across Northwest Ohio. Now, see, that's where we're going, and you're going back to that, or you're collecting things so that we don't lose that, or we've lost well, it. Well, that's that, it's such a rare ecosystem. It's a globally rare ecosystem um, called the oak openings, and there are different. E- ecosystems within the oak openings that, yes, we are trying to preserve because they're so rare. They're, like I said, it's a globally rare ecosystem. There are many, many species that depend on these ecosystems um, that you can't find anywhere else. Are you noticing species coming back like insects, uh, animals? uh, Well, when we say species, even the plants. Absolutely. Is that the purpose of the reason you're you're collecting them? Okay, now I'm getting ahead of myself. You're collecting these things. How do you identify them? I mean, it, it's it's a combination of field guides. Um, we partner with multiple uh, universities and their herbarium collections. Um, and I didn't know they had those. <laughs> herbariums? Herbariums, yes, where they go back and you can see ancient or, you know, historical uh, collections of species species within this area. How far back did they start making collections of these things and and why? Well, of course, I mean, there are botanists uh, out there, I mean, as far back as the 1850s um, here locally. Yeah. um, But I mean, herbarium species have been taken for thousands of years. So, I mean, what is basically the oldest plant that that you've found here in Northwest Ohio, Southeast Michigan region? Uh... Or species per se, not I mean, the oldest I, plant. I mean, I couldn't tell you that. I with well, all right. What's the age range? I mean, uh, they, they've been here basically forever. Oh, of course. Well, see, I didn't know that, and I'm hoping that. Hey, folks, I mean, did you hear that? Especially, especially um, after Lake Warren receded. Lake Warren, which is a, the ancient um, glacier, great, what the lake that was became of uh, the glacier that receded and melted. Really? So it was it was a lake before it 
turned into a glacier. Mm-hmm. Then it receded, and thus well, the no, Great it, Lakes. It was a, it was a glacier, and it melted. Yeah, and then it became a lake. And there were there are multiple stages. Oh, so this of was the even lake. before, even, well before the Great Lakes. Yes, this was before was the how, last ice age. Um, this was back, I think, fourteen thousand years ago. So, Whoa. I believe. I think I'm, I, I'm not sure. Well, that's good. To admit, you I, it's know, late. Not, yeah. But it was way back when. It was way back when, but honestly, pretty recent comparatively um, to other Well, when the Great other, Lakes themselves were glaciers. formed, now, those are glacial leftovers. That's right. All right. About, do you know approximately how old? I couldn't get into the geology. That, that, I'm sorry. Okay. Then what your purpose right now is to go out there and collect, first of but all? But it is fascinating. You can learn more um, it, uh, if you look... If you are interested in learning more about the geology, there's this really awesome book out there called Living in the Oak Openings. Um, yeah. It's passed out by the Nature Conservancy, but you can also um, look that up on the Green Ribbon Initiative website. What's it called again? The Green Ribbon Initiative website. Um, it's green uh, greenribboninitiative.org. Okay. We'll, we'll ask you to repeat that at the end of this. But mm-hmm. Okay. So now... Uh, and it's a really great compilation of you know all the native species that are local to the different ecosystems within the oak openings and it kind of gives you a geological history of the oak openings region. Well, my background has insisted that I know a little bit about the topography of, of the region that I've been working. Yeah. I mean, you can tell where receding Great Lake beach sand has been. You can see where, you know, black blue clay is, where the bedrock from the bottom of the lakes are. Um, my question here is, is uh, go back again. Why are you collecting all of these plants? So that we can help cater to uh, those bees species that are, you know, whose populations are declining. Strictly the bees, or are you talking even more than that? I guess I should say pollinators. Pollinators, um, birds. um, I'm definitely also interested in uh, restoring the land. I mean, there's um, something that... It sounds like you're passionate about this. I believe that plants do feed the soil as well and all the agriculture that we have been conducting in this area because of the fertile rich soil i think the plants also get to give something back we've had uh, the very first podcast that we had had thomas jackson on board and thomas jackson was an urban farmer and without going into the full detail you can watch listen to it on the very first podcast but, um, you know, he ran into a lot of brick walls. He was bringing back, uh, he, f- he figured out how to make something which was called soil and the soil <laughs> that was indigenous to this area without knowing it. And mm-hmm. we've had university professors come in and they looked at each other and they bopped themselves on the forehead and they said he figured it out. Well, my question is, are you basically responsible or do you find yourself, I can tell there's a passion here. I mean, I'm looking right at you. You're wearing overalls. And you've got mud on your knees. Were you recently out there collecting or what were you doing? You can't collect seeds right now, can you? You, uh, you I'm not collecting seed right now. I'm working mostly in the greenhouse. Um, I've started propagating seeds um, back. I put them on the tables and the germination tables back in January. Usually most of the seeds get collected in the fall, um, mm-hmm. especially for the tall grass prairie. Um, and... I mean, but seeds you can collect 
basically from April, depending on the variety, from April all the way through How November. How varieties are you collecting? Well, in the greenhouse in, in Wood County, we grow over 100 species of native plants. And you're out there collecting the plant themselves, or do you collect strictly the seed? It's the seed that we collect. Um, okay. And then at, at the facility where I work, we also have a native seed nursery. If most of these are gone, I mean, or going, they're almost extinct. Mm-hmm. How are you finding them? Where are you collecting these? Well, that's a really great question. So earlier I mentioned the Green Ribbon Initiative, mm-hmm. and it's a wonderful collaboration between multiple organizations north, in Northwest Ohio. Um, and it, we do, we trade resources, we trade seeds um, so that we create resiliency within this region. Okay. When you're talking resiliency, you mean they're... they're- so that so that immune to something or what no just basically so that you know if if um there's only a few spe- uh, a few seeds here let's make the most of them make sure that we can get them to grow and then share um you know resources okay. and spread them out so that they're not all in one location <laughs> that Prof- way they <laughs> professor todd crail university of toledo and i don't want to tell what department he's in because i'll probably screw it up <laughs> But he no no. Todd was awesome. I had him when he was in his PhD. He was my TA. What what's a TA? Uh, teaching assistant. He was like the the prof for my uh, ecology oh, lab. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love this guy, <laughs> and it's hard for me to love guys. But here's here's my my <laughs> statement. He's where we are coming upon. You know, it's becoming more not a fad, but it's becoming a trend of people purchasing and wanting to have native or indigenous plants to put back into their properties. Now, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking anybody with maybe about 800 square feet in their backyard to, you know, three to five acres. Yeah. Um, but he's get, he told me that the plants may be native to the region, meaning the Midwest. They're not native to a particular area, for instance, the Black Swamp. Mm-hmm. And without, my, without me showing my ignorance on native plants, there are different cultivars of different plants. And he's got some that are saying, he says, some of them are coming from like Wisconsin or Minnesota and they're Mm -hmm. not indigenous to this region. So he's trying to keep the gene pool basically within its own, uh, you know, natural habitat. Yeah. Is that what you're doing? You're collecting for future, um, well, survival of these plants? I, I, are you noticing that there's a specific plant that, you know, not one, mm -hmm. but multiples to this region alone versus something that you're going to find about another thing? That's something that we really care a lot about. We care about, um, especially at Wood County and um, in the Green Ribbon Initiative, we think it's worthwhile to collect species that are indigenous to Northwest Ohio because of how rare this ecosystem is. We want to keep the gene pool as localized as possible. Do plants that you're finding that are native, do they have anything with filtration also? I know the Black Swamp was basically a filtration system. The Maumee River, isn't that the only river that goes back it goes in the opposing direction. It flows north. It that's flows right. north. All mm-hmm. the other, you know, North American rivers flow south toward whether it's the Gulf or whether it's the Atlantic or whether the Pacific region itself. Well, it's got a big body of water to drain into. I mean, the Lake Ur- the Maumee River watershed is giant. It reaches well, it, to Fort Wayne. Does it reach Indiana? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, does that have anything to do with, let's say, the pollution aspect being the, the lack of native plants and the filtration? I think I think that's a part of it. I know that rain gardens really have do are shown to help um, with large rain events. Um, okay. I mean, 
I think that native plants can certainly help filter the water. I think that they um, filter the water out of uh, and get the pollutants out of there. I think that that's totally some that's a valid reason to plant native. Is your intent basically to bring back the black swamp? I think it's. Uh, I mean, that's well, all I can think of is mosquitoes. I know. And, you know Who would want to crocodiles and, and dinosaurs that have you know been extinct for millions of years? You are know, coming back. I think that um, it's not. I think that my overall goal would be to preserve as much of it as I can, um, as we can, to preserve the natural history as before much as possible. Before it goes bye bye altogether. Before, yes, of course, because I mean, um, there are different grades of restoring natural areas and i mean how easy is it to return a farm field to its original state i mean it, yeah, i think it's kind of tough. it's very difficult and i mean with all of the toxins that they've been applying for the last hundred plus years that's right so i mean this is something that i think people see as um biting off more than we can chew and that's certainly an understatement well okay. i think that that's something that i is worthwhile though and i think that a lot with this tide that's turning turning i think it's something that it will continue do you all right pollinators when you're talking you know i'm you said bees now they're not the only thing that's going to pollinate you've got hummingbirds right. butterflies you've got you know other insects flies oh, uh, flies are going to do it. yeah well <laughs> uh, you know dra- dragonflies for mm-hmm. instance are, are there's a number of them so people usually freak out now when you bring these in are these insects basically going to go out there and carry away, you know, you know, Fritzy, the puppy dog out in the back? Or is this something that, you know, that you don't bother them, they don't bother you? That's totally right. They, there's, they mind, you should really mind your own business. Um, they really don't bother you at all. Um, I think they're kind of cute. Uh, so there's over, I'm, for those of you who don't know, there's over 4,000 different varieties of native solitary bees um, to North America. How many varieties? 4,000. Different varieties? Yeah. Yeah, different species of native bees to North America. And it's... Uh, sorry. <laughs> it's, it, we're finding it humorous and fun, but these are cool. Uh, they're so cool. amazing. I mean, it's just, they're so cute. And I mean, as a kid, I used to collect them in a jar and freak my mother out. But mm-hmm. I mean, one, one book that I would really recommend is by Heather Holmes. It's... Um, it, oh, crap. I forget. <laughs> Heather you, said, you said the C word, correct. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I forgot the the title, but it, it's a really wonderful uh, book about um, different native plants and the insects that they, and the pollinators that they attract. All right. Um, ask me another question while I look them up and l- I'll oh, let she's you. she's going to look it up I'm going to look that. it up because I can, Very I'm cheating. Very important thing called a cell phone. Um, so uh, for those of you who are interested in learning more about pollinators, um, there there's a really awesome book by Heather Holm. Uh, called Pollinators of Native Plants. I really love this book. It's on my desk at work, and it goes into the relationships between native plants and the different pollinators that they attract. Um, now, you've got specific insects that are going to go to specific plants? To specific plants. They just don't randomly go, oh, that one smells good, we're going to go to this one, right. and that one smells good? It, it's what's, an, do, 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 what's the thought process? I mean, okay, I'm going to back up a second. <laughs> just to give everybody an idea of what we're talking about, Wood County is a county, and Arden brought it to my attention much, much earlier than this podcast, that Wood County is a huge county in northwest Ohio. Um, It's right next to Lucas County, but it abuts the uh, southern Great Lakes, actually Lake Erie. Mm -hmm. It's just south of Lucas County, um, and it runs 
from Maumee, the Maumee River all the way to um, Bowling Green, which is kind of in the middle of the county. And then North Baltimore, just north of Finley, is the southern extent of Wood County. So we're talking, it's, does it, it goes, how, how long of a, let's say, does it have a river front, not a river front, but a beach front over there in Lake Erie? Oh, n- no. No, it doesn't. It doesn't even go on to Lake Erie. <laughs> no, it doesn't because it doesn't actually, uh, it's Lucas County, um, Lucas County, it doesn't, it doesn't reach the, the lake. Okay. All right. So it doesn't go to the there's lake, no, but it's huge. There's no touching the lake. Is yeah. there any remnants of the Black Swamp still there? Um, I mean, it, all you have to do is drive down 75 and you'll see um, all kinds of, I mean, it's not indigenous black swamp, but I mean, you'll see the ditches that refill yeah, every, sp- the- every spring. And um, I mean, if you go, so there's this really awesome park and for the Wood County, in Wood County um, called Bradner Preserve. Bradner um, Preserve? Yes. It's on, uh, it's just south of Route 6 um, on US 23. And it's got a little bit of everything. Um, it's one of my favorite parks because there's um, leftover sand moraines there um, from Lake Warren. The from big those old ancient, ancient lake. Those, that ancient lake that left sand there. But also there's a lot of um, leftover swamp as well because when there is no sand, then there's clay. Yeah. So it, it, there's wooded areas that hold standing water for long periods of time. So if you're a frog fan and you like to go frog um, There's quicksand exploring. out there, no, no quicksand. All right. But you got frogs, you got salamanders, yeah. you got things of that nature mm-hmm. that are in there? Yeah, it's really special. I highly recommend it. Own little ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Hey, we'd like to thank Black Diamond Garden Centers for sponsoring your Midwest garden. We record this podcast on site at the Toledo location. Amidst all the smells of budding flowers, the manures, the chicken schmutz, you name it. If you're in the Toledo or Perrysburg, Ohio area, please stop by either Black Diamond location for all your gardening needs. And remember, ask someone who knows. Well, let's go back up again then. Um, the, the pollinators that you were talking about and about the book, mm-hmm. um, there are specific insects that are going to go to specific plants, right? Yes. Now, how, how many varieties? You said there were thousands of... Of different um, native bees. Native correct. bees. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, do but they... But some, some pollinators are... Some bees some bees are more attracted to the nectar um, versus the pollen. So, okay. like, when they go... And different bees have different strategies for uh, eating or getting the pollen or getting the nectar, I mean. Well, that, that's how they feed then, isn't it? That's that... correct. So, uh, but they have different strategies. So, some bees will vibrate their... They're not their, all honeybees. They're... None of them are honeybees. Not a one? Mm-mm. Honeybee actually is not a native bee. Honeybee is... Oh, see, I didn't know that. Yeah, honeybees actually were brought from, um, you know, colonists from... Really? They brought them over with the queen and then they <laughs> decided that they would go ahead and They multiply. were like, hey, I really like this sweet stuff. Okay, well, then, okay, so they're feeding basically on... They eat. They're not collecting the pollen mm-hmm. to make any honey to collect. That's correct. I didn't know that. Wow, I'm glad I had you on board. So the different pollinators, different types of plants, you're collecting them. People are bringing them in. Now, there's another one. People want to bring bring butterflies on board. There's Mm -hmm. one that they call the milkweed. There's a number of uh, butterfly weed. Mm -hmm. Uh, The milkweed itself that we have out here in the Midwest all the way across is, is just your pod milkweed that basically attracts the monarch, right? So we have, uh, milkweed is an abundant, um, 
plant and there are I mean of all the I I grow alone in the greenhouse um at least five to six different varieties of milkweed milkweed? yes now see I only thought that there was one variety of milkweed the rest of it is butterfly wheat well that that's it's all in the asclepius um are we talking botanical uh yep we're talking latin here we're going back to milkweed all right (laughs) Yeah, so um, so there's genus and species. So Asclepius is the genus, and then tuberosa, Asclepius tuberosa is the butterfly milkweed. Okay. And then Asclepius syriaca is the common milkweed. Do you work side by side with an entomologist or entomologists? I wish that you would don't? be so much fun. I really would love that. Okay, so but you- that book is kind of like that. And then there's another really awesome website out there that I felt like I should um, plug is the Xerxes Society, and that's a really okay, great. To backtrack a little bit, people. Bug. An entomologist is a person that you know gets paid big bucks. Well, they don't get big bucks. You have to have a passion for it. <laughs> they usually are. Uh, they have a doctorate in entomology, which means that they're bug doctors. They go ahead and collect, and they, they figure out the, the species. Well, is it a species of an insect? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and um, OSU Extension can answer a lot of your bug questions out there as well. Well, each, each state has their own extension, don't they? Mm-hmm. I yep. mean, Illinois, Indiana, uh, Michigan, New York. Pennsylvania. I think that's a giant um, resource that is underutilized. You can use your extension office. Well, not too many people know about it. Right. Yeah. It's You can use your extension office for a lot of different reasons, um, and they can help you with uh, soil testing. Well, it's your tax dollar that's basically going into it. Why not utilize it? That's right. Now, is the agent, and I don't want to go off on right field, real, but is the agent going to be allowed to go? I mean, most agents would, would deal with farms. We're not dealing with farms. That's right. Are you allowed to work with an with an agent, a, a county agent, for instance, Wood County and look in Wood County itself in Ohio? Yeah, absolutely. So you contact them, and then you would work side by mm-hmm. side with them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, I um, I live in Lucas County, so I'm more familiar with Lucas County um, extension folk. Okay. But um, you know, I'd say I would encourage the homeowner to utilize that resource. Find out your county extension. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then give them a call. Now they're going to not like us because from, generally from what's eating my tomato leaves to how do I fertilize my hydrangeas to how can I um, cater to pollinators in okay, my backyard. Okay, now this is where we're going to go to. Yeah, the the native or indigenous plants. You can contact your agent to ask how they can contact somebody such as yourself to assist somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's not your job, but if somebody has, has their own backyard that wants to bring in native or indigenous plants yeah. and their pollinators, what's the benefit of doing that? I mean, it seems to be a trend now more so than a fad. Well, I think that there are, the benefits are abound. Um, like I said, you know, if you like to watch wildlife, um, this is a really great way to bring it into your backyard. Um, you can, of course, um, stop flooding in your backyard. If you if you have a whole bunch of standing water, you can put in a rain garden. Um, I'd highly recommend you think with about that. With native plants. With native plants and with non-native plants. I would highly recommend you look around and... Um, yeah, take advantage of the resources that are there. Well, with all these new developments that they're building, I mean, the they're economy a was doing all right, and it's eh, rebounding again. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, with new housing that's coming in and with the interest rates going down, they're tearing down a lot of wooded areas, mm-hmm. uh, leaving some trees. But what type of, I mean, let's say you've got oak trees in, in, in a region right now in somebody's backyard, a lot of sand. 
what's a good native plant to bring in? So I'm really glad you asked about this. Um, so butterfly milkweed is one of the best plants that you can put into sand. Um, but there are many, many other varieties out there. Um, if you're looking for something uh, to cater to sand, I would recommend you can do Rattlesnake Master. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a type of yucca. Oh, really? Um, that blooms, it's, uh, got a white flower, but it, it kind of, it's really, really spiky. Um, not in a bad way, but in a but really a fun way. Plant? It is. It's striking. Um, okay. it grows to about three feet tall. Um, you could plant, of course, black eyed Susans, brown eyed Susans. Brown eyed Susans. Um, uh, yes. Uh, lighter, you could plant. Lighter button. Um, so black-eyed Susans are a biennial for our plant nerds okay. out there. Biennial means? Um, so it blooms on the first year. Well, no, no, it blooms on the second year. I always have to, year. have to quiz myself okay. on that. Um, but it's, it's a biennial, so it's something that will reproduce itself pretty fast. Okay. Um, but other, other um, sandy soil plants, you could do hoary vervain. You could do little blue stem. There's, there's so many out there. Now, are these hybrid also? No, these are all straight species. Straight species. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the only plants that we grow. Okay. You only, okay. Now, once you've got them in there, can you incorporate hybrids in there with it without, we never would. That's and, not, and what's that's, the reason? What's the reason? Well, because that's <laughs> we hybridization. That's that's not what our we're trying. Well, will to they pres- cross pollinate? Meaning that right? I mean, of course, they're they do cross pollinate um, with other species of. I mean, uh, mountain mint would probably mix. I mean, if you have Virginia mountain mint with narrow leaf mountain mint, I'm sure that they would cross pollinate. I've seen hoary mountain mint. Com- Cross pollinate with. Um, Wait a minute, how do you spell that? It's H O A R. Okay. I know it's so. Well, I know it's uh, kind of. Who thinks of these names? I know. I want to go back and be like, "What were you thinking?" Okay. Uh, so, but so, so I mean, they do cross pollinate, but like hybrid um, hybrids, I. Hybrids, I would, you're I would, not partial I to, I know that. I'm impartial to them, but I also think that they're kind of, I, I, I guess we should clarify what you mean by hybrid. Well, because, genetic modification. I know that there's right. echinacea or there's coneflower out there with more of a pastel flower to it. Exactly. That's not, that's, and those aren't the natural way that those plants were, were to have grown. These are right. basically genetically modified, and that's where I'm referring to. A hybrid versus a uh, heirloom. Mm-hmm. So you're collecting heirloom seeds only. That's right. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you would so only promote. Now, have you ever had people that wanted to have their entire gardens or landscape in nothing but um, uh, native plants? Yeah. Yeah, I get that all the time. I mean, from trees to bushes mm-hmm. to perennial flowers to absolutely, yeah, really, we do. We get we get a lot of people who are once they learn about the oak openings region and why it's so important, they want to do as much as they can to cater to and and these are. I think it does boil down to the landowners um, to really pick up the slack where parks can't. I mean, there's so like you said, there's so many different um, suburban neighborhoods going in now yeah. that. 
we need to pick up the fragmentation of the of the area, and uh, it's really down to the homeowner words, to help take. bring the take, homeowner and the house back to the environment. It was they, naturally they're like. a large part of the equation um, to make up the acreage. You've got HOAs, homeowner associations that are right. out there that you know people are usually putting themselves in high power positions and dictating to the rest of the community what they should do. Hmm. Is there a trend of, of homeowner associations that are leaning toward native plants, or is there something? Is that something that you want to bring to their attention? Well, I think it's it's a big part of, um, like I said, it's a big part of the equation. I haven't seen personally evidence of the chain of many changes, but I know that Todd Crail um, has made a big step at the University of Toledo with his native plant production. Um, I remember back in the day when it was discouraged to plant natives because they were considered considered weeds. weeds, Um, And it was uh, an an organization on campus that pretty much forbid them. Um, And so, you know, I do see evidence there that it has uh, lately have you seen the gardens that he's from the seed collection that they've had on bringing back the it's like prairie plants right they they, i haven't seen them personally but i know anything that he touches is oh i'm gonna gonna want it (laughs) all right so he's he's a god i'm sure he's doing just fine he's got so many wonderful students helping over there at ut we got kids i uh, what really upsets me is when i'm saying kids we got teenagers uh, even adults that don't know where a tomato comes from other than the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Uh, is your purpose there to re-educate or is the purpose basically to reincorporate? Well, I think education is a big part of uh, the equation. Um, we do have different programs that are going on in Wood County, but um, nothing really on Earth Day. I know that there's an Earth Day celebration in Bowling Green, um, and I think we will be a part of that, but I don't have specific information regarding that, but there are a lot of other things coming up that you might be, uh, that the listeners might be interested Name in. Name some of them. Um, so we've got, um, the Wood County Plants Exchange, um, at You're the exchanging w- native plants. Um, so that's where, that's an event where um, homeowners in Wood County will be able to bring plants from their yard and exchange them for another plant from another person's yard. Oh, okay. So I can't speak to whether it will be native, but it's a cool opportunity to get up? involved. When's that coming? That's up? on April 25th um, okay. at the Wood County Fairgrounds. Now that's in Ohio, and being that yes. we don't okay. That's in Bowling Green, uh, Bowling Green off Ohio. of Poe Road. All right. There's All right. also the Lucas County Soil and Water Conservation um, Backyard Conservation Day. That's on Friday, May 1st um, from 8 to 6. And that's where they are going to be able to sell their native plants. Um, they, native plants mm, there. Mm-hmm, they'll have native plants there. Okay. Um, Lucas County Soil and Water is a really great um, resource. So in, in essence... Let's go back to the purpose of, of collecting these native plants. Right. We've covered what, a lot of topics. Yeah, we did. What's, what's, the, what's the point? I mean, I, I know what the point is. I know that you want to reinvigorate what used to be. Right. But is that ever going to be possible? I think it's worth trying. I think that the wildlife that we're catering to uh, and, and the soils that are here, it's worth investing in. Um, this is certainly a long-term investment. This is not something that we're going to see um, immediate, you know, watershed results immediately. Um, 
you know, but I think even over time, even the minor changes that we make, I mean, even the home gardens that I've, home gardeners that I've spoken to about their native plants, um, and, and the, the differences that they've seen over the years that they um, have planted more and more natives, they see pollinators coming back. They see bees eating, you know, feeding off of their plants. They see the wildlife coming back to their gardens. Um, things that and you I, haven't seen. You things and I that they wouldn't see up. otherwise. Um, I think as soon as we make, as soon as people start to making, start making these changes, we're going to see changes in the big picture. I think we'll be surprised how quickly nature comes a, back. So the point and the purpose is not, is bringing ourselves, rather than tearing down Mother Nature, rather than tearing down our environment, just to put in, a, not to just put in a house, but we need nice neighborhoods for our children, nice houses to live in. Yeah. But so too did the the critters and the environment that we came into and tore apart. You want to revitalize that and make us part of that environment rather than making the environment disappear. That's correct. I mean, I, I think it's easy to get into the doom and gloom, you know, when you're talking about native plants. You know, it's easy to get wrapped up in all the tragedy right. that's been happening. But I think there's a possibility. This is one way that we can start living in harmony with nature and start bringing it back into our daily lives. And you're doing that and you feel you've got a passion about this. That's that's why I'm doing it. Yeah, I mean, this is, everybody this has is a bit, definition of success, and mine is different than yours. But uh, well, <laughs> before we wrap this up, do you have any social media web pages or any information you'd like to promote? Well, um, anybody who's interested in learning more about Wood County Park District, they can visit our website wcparks.org. Can you repeat that? Wcparks. Org. Now, for those listeners that we have right now that are miraculously listening to this podcast that are not living in Wood County, Northwest Ohio, um, is there anything that they can, you know, uh, attach themselves to to find any of this information out? That's let's say, let's say Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Pennsylvania, New York, uh, East and West. Sure. I mean, um, one way to really hone in on uh, native plants in your local area, there's a national organization called Wild Ones. Um, and there are different local chapters uh, that are catered to um, more regional areas. Um, so, of course, wild ones, wild ones dot org. OK, mm-hmm. well, then that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's a really awesome organization. Um, and of course, the Oak Openings has a really great chapter, but and I had there to plug back that. To Oak Openings again. <laughs> I mean, uh, right. but uh, yeah, I mean, I would highly recommend that. Um, and then also contacting your local um, extension office. Wild Ones? Wildones.org and local extension office. Well, then in that case, I, I mean, this has been fan friggin' tastic. <laughs> I, I, I'm really curious. Can we bring you back if we ask? I mean, nice. I would love please. to come back. This All is right. uh, something I really love to talk about. Well, you are Arden Pontash, and thank you for taking your time out of, of your busy day collecting things <laughs> or out there planting things. Uh, do you have any final words that you want to promote this with? Um, I think I've done my job. I, I'm really happy to be here. Um, thanks again for the wonderful conversation. Thanks for listening to your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.